Hello, this is Susan Marie, and welcome to The Human Condition, a conversation with you based upon everyday observations that all of us experience made simple. You can catch these on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and by subscribing to my newsletter, suemarie.substack.com. Most things I speak of are linked for further study in the data section of the show. Recently, I checked podcast stats, which I never do, and was pleasantly surprised to find across all channels around 5,000 listeners and subscribers. So thank you. Most of you know I'm nearly finished with my MS in clinical mental health counseling and cannot possibly share everything I learned, but I try. So please go check out the link I included for Patreon if you wish to donate anything at all so I can continue this podcast. I shall be most grateful and return your kindness with a small gift. As always, please rate, subscribe on any channel and give me some feedback. It's common for people to continue to have distressing thoughts, images, and feelings for days, weeks, weeks following trauma and these reactions are common and they're a sign that the body is recovering from stress. When most people think of trauma, they only think of the severity of trauma like sexual assault, near death, onset of debilitating illness or surviving a natural disaster. However, trauma comes in many forms. Trauma defined simply is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. We are all different, so our definitions of disturbing are going to be different. Deeply disturbing to one person can mean someone yelling and screaming in their face, and deep disturbing to another can mean a natural disaster. Thing is how one experiences trauma is not something that can be gauged. Trauma is deeply personal to each individual. As human beings, we experience trauma all the time without addressing it. And most times, we do not even realize we went through trauma. We just keep going and living life and functioning until one day you find yourself getting really worked up and furious. You may feel unsafe and threatened, perhaps even severely angry and judgmental, and you really don't know why. Today, I wish to speak with you about various forms of trauma, emotional and mental triggers due to trauma, and how to deal with triggers. Before I begin, if you are experiencing severe trauma with symptoms relatable to panic disorder, PTSD, or any issue that is not allowing you to function as a result from trauma, or you recognize that you just do not feel okay or like yourself, please do seek professional assistance immediately. We must realize that triggers are the effect of disturbing experiences and when not dealt with properly, they'll pop out when you least expect it. And it doesn't matter if the experience was 20 years ago, two years ago, four months ago, or last week. If not dealt with and recognized, triggers will keep popping up until you take notice and do something about it. The most commonly reported reactions to trauma are anxiety, fear, being alone, being in frightening situations, having a similar event happen, avoidance of situations or thoughts that remind you of the event, being easily startled by loud noises or sudden movements, having flashbacks, tense muscles, trembling, shaking, nausea, headaches, sweating, tiredness, lack of interest in usual activities, including loss of appetite or loss of interest in sex, Feeling sad, feelings of loss, aloneness, sleep problems, and nightmares. You may also have problems with thinking and concentration or remembering things. You may experience guilt and self-doubt, preoccupation with thinking about the trauma, feeling responsible, feeling anger or irritability at the senselessness of it all, and often asking, why me? Once you recognize you may be experiencing symptoms of severe trauma or acute stress, there are a few ways you can deal with it. One, safety first. If the situation is ongoing, get some help to make yourself safe. 
Talk with someone you trust. Know that how you are feeling is normal for someone who has been through a traumatizing event and give yourself time. Two, know that the way you're feeling will not last and by dealing with the fears and thoughts, you'll be able to get on with life and be kind to yourself. Except that it might take a bit of time to adjust. So spend time doing nice things, relaxing, going for walks, visiting beautiful places, seeing friends. Plan to do nice things each day. It will be important to confront situations associated with the event, but do it gradually. This Way Up is part of the Clinical Research Unit for Anxiety and Depression and a joint facility of St. Vincent's Hospital and the University of New South Wales that was established to reduce the impact of anxiety and depressive disorders with individuals. And if you go to the link provided, they have numerous sections for various aspects of trauma called How Do You Feel? that covers panic disorder, social phobia, trauma, general anxiety, phobias, compulsions, and depression. They publish the best data on dealing with trauma trauma, stress, and coping, and they suggest immediately after the event, make sure you are with people and talk about the incident with others. Get some physical exercise to burn off tension and anxiety and avoid alcohol, sedatives, or drugs that dull the experience that will not allow you to deal with your feelings properly. Also restricting stimulants because you don't want to make your body more agitated than it already is. And try to eat something, even if you don't feel like it. And if you can't sleep, don't lie in bed tossing and turning. Get up and do something until you feel tired again. Next, how to handle the next few days. Remind yourself that your reactions are a normal result of trauma and will pass in time and try to get back into your normal routine. You may need to gradually introduce yourself to tasks that seem difficult and if you feel uncomfortable, scared, or anxious, take long, slow breaths and remind yourself that you're safe, that the trauma is over, and continue to talk about it. This will help you to get over your feelings. Don't be afraid of your feelings and get good sleep. Get a good diet and regular exercise. Practice relaxation to help reduce tension and allow yourself time to deal with the memories. If your reaction continues to seriously disrupt your life, please talk to a professional. In my own experience, I can relate to a lot of trauma. I've seen way too much death, have experienced repeated loss of income and employment, have had to move numerous times, changed careers a bunch of times, lost dear friends, lovers, loved ones, have been in extremely severe car accidents, have gotten into deeply disturbing emotional and mental arguments with people. I also believe it's essential to remember that not only so-called bad things create trauma, all change create some sort of trauma and that means starting and ending anything. For example, right now I'm in the middle of an extensive graduate program and had to change my university last year due to unethical grading and discrimination and a professor that seriously needs professional guidance. And that entire experiencing was traumatizing, but I just kept going. I figured I dealt with it properly, but just last month I realized I was still experiencing trauma from that time, which was over a year ago, because I was triggered at my new university when something that was not even remotely close to my other experience occurred and it had to do with grading. At my new university, there was no problem whatsoever. It was me that was triggered due to having one point taken off an assignment ethically and fairly, and immediately I went into protective mode. I was furious. I felt unsafe, angry. I wanted to retaliate. All of the emotions popped up due to not properly dealing with the initial experience. Thankfully, at my new university, my professors understand, are compassionate, are counselors, and relate. Thankfully, I recognized what was occurring. I realized I was still suffering from the 
trauma of being wrongfully accused, unethically treated, and experienced mental and emotional abuse. Now let's talk about triggers. We are all familiar with the term, I am triggered, this triggers me, but what does that truly mean? A trigger is a reminder of a past trauma. This reminder can feel overwhelming. You may feel sadness, anxiety, or panic, and it can also cause flashbacks. And triggers take many forms. They may be a physical location, an anniversary, and a person could also simply be triggered by stress. And sometimes triggers are predictable. A person who smelled incense during assault could have a panic attack when they smell the same incense in a store. And triggers are formed when a person is in a threatening situation. And what happens is our bodies engage in a a fight or flight response. The body goes on high alert, taking all of its resources to react to that situation. One of the functions neglected during a fight or flight situation is short-term memory. In some cases, a person's brain may misfile the event in its memory stage. Rather than being stored as a past event, the situation is labeled as still present threat. So when a person is reminded of trauma, the body acts as if the event is happening, returning to fight or flight mode. And triggers are powerful because they involve the senses. During a traumatizing event, the brain ingrains sensory stimuli into memory. This is why trigger warnings are essential. Many of us are online, and I know for myself, if I see something utterly disturbing like rape, incest, death, burned bodies, animals being slaughtered, anything violent, that's going to cause me anxiety and stress. And yes, I will be triggered. My brain imagines things all on its own and I don't need to see these things to imagine what these experiences are like. Although I believe most human beings do not wish to see any of these disturbing images regardless of triggers or trauma. So be mindful when you share things online or in person. You can be contributing to further someone else's trauma. Triggers are very personal. Different things trigger different people. A person's triggers are activated through one or more of the five senses, sight, sound, touch, smell, and taste. For example, smell, tobacco, alcohol, drugs, aftershave, perfume, touch. That could be certain physical touch, someone standing too close, petting an animal, the way someone approaches you, taste, certain foods, alcohol, tobacco, sight, clothing, hair color, And triggers can be broken down into two categories, internal and external. External and internal triggers include shame, guilt, anger, regret, depression, anxiety, inconsistency, a loss of control, heartbreak, job loss or grief, stress or fear, feeling unsafe, feeling misunderstood. It could be specific places, home streets, cities, countries, feeling judged, feeling attacked, and feeling invalidated. And one of the most important steps to identifying triggers and managing them in healthy ways is to be self-aware. Being self-aware allows us to understand the driving force behind our behavior or the trigger before and after. Simple methods to effectively manage triggers include exercising, resting, therapy or counseling, meditation, mindfulness, spending time with positive people, drinking water or tea for relaxation and hydration, joining a support group, eating nutritional meals, using positive distractions, and reframing negative attitudes or perceptions. And unhealthy coping mechanisms include misdirected anger, violence, emotional, psychological, sexual, financial, or mental abuse, making excuses for harmful behavior, self-harm, 
developing poor behavioral compulsions, abusing harmful substances, binge eating or drinking, lying denial, bottling it up, exploding with anger or rage, and befriending people who abuse or sell drugs or alcohol. Now, steps for identifying your triggers include, one, accepting responsibility for your reactions. Once you accept yourself as powerful, instead of a victim, you remove the veil of self-deception. When you seek to identify what is triggering how you feel in the moment, you give yourself the chance to feel differently if you want to. For example, what would your life look like if you were in control of your reactions? How free would you feel if you lived your life by choice? The second step is to recognize that you are having an emotional reaction as soon as it begins to appear in the body. According to neuroscientist Antonio Damasio, author of Looking for Spinoza, Joy, Sorrow, and the Feeling Brain, at any moment your rate of breathing, blood flow, tension in your muscles, and constriction in your gut represents a pattern you can identify as a feeling. The sooner you recognize that you are breathing quickly or not at all, that certain muscles in your body are tight, or that you feel pressure in your gut or heart, stop and ask yourself what you are feeling and why. I included in the data section of the show something for you to download and it's a list of emotional states and it's an exercise to increase your awareness of your own emotions. Third, don't judge or fear your emotions. No matter what you learned about emotions, if you don't recognize your feelings, you can't change them. And if the emotion is related to fear, anger, or sadness, the next step is to determine what triggered the emotion. What do you think you lost or what did you not get that you expected or desired to have? The strengths that help in life are also your greatest emotional triggers when you feel someone is not honoring one of them. When your brain perceives that someone has taken or plans to take one of those important things away from you, your emotions are triggered. The quicker you notice an emotion is triggered, the sooner you can discover if the threat is real or not. Needs are not bad. We all have needs because at some point in our lives, the needs served us. However, the more attached you are to having control, the more your brain will be on the lookout for circumstances that deny your needs. The unmet need or threat then becomes an emotional trigger. With practice, the reaction to your emotional triggers subsides. Best you can do is to quickly identify when emotion is triggered and then choose what to say or do next. Ask yourself, are you really losing this need or not? Is the person actively denying your need or are you taking the situation too personally? If it's true that someone is ignoring your need or blocking you from achieving it, can you either ask for what you need or if it doesn't really matter, can you let the need go for now? Choose to ask for what you need. Let it go if you honestly feel that asking for what you need will have no value or do something else to get your need met. The last step is to actively shift your emotional state. You can practice this anytime, even when you first notice a reaction, to help you think through your triggers and responses. When you determine what you want to do next, shift into the emotion that will help you get the results. One, relax. Breathe and release the tension in your body. Then detach. Clear your mind of all thoughts. Then center. Drop your awareness to the center of your body, just below your navel. And then focus. Choose one keyword that represents how you want to feel in this moment. Breathe in the word and allow yourself to feel that shift. It is important to stop trying to manage your emotions. Instead, choose to feel something different when an emotion arises. This is how you gain emotional freedom. 
I have a quiz from Psych Central based on the boundary concept developed by Dr. Ernest Hartman of Tufts University, linked for us to take, and it's just for fun, but quite telling. It is, what is your emotional type quiz? And what it tells you is about your own boundaries. There are 18 questions, super quick, and you get a good detail of your emotional type. As always, I am in the middle, which is typical for me. So I have mid-range boundaries, meaning I have qualities of both thick and thin-skinned individuals. A thin boundary is when someone reacts more strongly to sensory stimuli and can become agitated due to bright light, loud sounds, particular sense, taste, textures. You may respond more strongly to physical and emotional pain, become stressed or fatigued due to overload of sensory inputs, be more allergic and your immune system is more reactive and you're more deeply affected or recall being more deeply affected by childhood events. Now, a thick boundary is when you can brush aside emotional upset in favor of handling the situation and maintaining calmness. You can suppress or deny strong feelings and anyone that knows me knows without doubt, and I'm kind of laughing here, that that is literally who I am, both thick and thin. My score was a 32. I'm neither thick nor thin. I am both. So what was your emotional boundary result? From the mind of Nelson Mandela, simply stated, do not judge me by my success. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. Please join me for the next episode and check out the last episode on the healing and destructive power of words.